gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to Dog Talk Live here on our Facebook page. Uh, We are also going to record this as a podcast, so if you would like to be part of our Dog Talk Lives, check us out on Facebook. Uh, We do these at least once a week. (coughs) I lie. Sometimes we don't do them every week. Sometimes we do them several times a week. My goal is to do them at least once a week so that we can come here and do a question and answer with you, our fans, on our Facebook page. Uh, uh, If you're on Facebook and you have not checked it out, please go to Spotify, go to iTunes, go to Anchor, go to a bunch of different platforms and search Sporting Dog Adventures podcast and you can listen to our podcast on your radio as you drive in at work if you are bored and just need a release. But uh, we try to keep the podcast out. They're all dog relevant. They all have a training tip. They all have a hunting tip. We try to keep them so that they're about 15 to 20 minutes. Occasionally we'll have uh, guests, whether it's my wife, uh, possibly my kids, uh, friends, guys I train with. But we, uh, we're trying to keep them shorter so that it works on your commute on the way in. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Again, here we are on our Facebook page for Dog Talk Live. Dog Talk Lives run about 15 minutes. Uh, they go up to 30 minutes if we get a lot of questions. The content is directly from you, the viewer. So let us know what questions you have today. They can be about dogs. They can be about hunting. They can be about uh, dog training. We would love to hear them. We'd love to help you out. What I do is I just go through our questions and check them out and go from there. Uh, Put your question in as a comment. When you check in, please let us know where you're from. Rich is checking in from Nebraska. Good to see you again, Rich. And uh, let us know what questions you have today. Again, these are only as good as we make them uh, as, as, as part of our, our community. So please let us know what questions you have and let us know where we can go. So I talked about this in the podcast, figured I would uh, talk about it again here on Dog Talk Live. It is hunting season. And we had a interesting uh, predicament where I had a... Uh, pond. It's a private pond on our property called the Glory Hole. Um, had basically the majority of the birds in the area there. There's not a lot of birds around yet because the migration's not on, but the majority were there. They're feeding in this. Uh, we've hunted it several times. We rest it for a week to 10 days. And I was going up for the weekend. It's our second opener. Wanted to hunt it. I knew the window was going to be wrong. Still wanted to hunt it. So we set up a backwards spread. And we, uh, the pond is probably about 70 yards across. We tried to set up where our hole was out at about 30 to 40 yards and have it where the birds were given almost a stop 
in several spots where it would make them land in the hole uh, as they came over our back shoulder and plop in. It was basically a backwards spread. I uh, didn't want to set up. We were 25 degrees in the morning. Did not want to set up on mud seats. Also had uh, my 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 son's girlfriend was uh, potentially going to be along with us and didn't want to freeze her out because she's a new hunter. So we set up. It was interesting. We had interesting results. I had mallards and teal work uh, our spread. The teal loved our spread. The teal came in and they landed within about 10 yards of the blind. The mallards did not love our spread. I don't know if it was about where they were feeding, uh, what they're feeding on, or uh, just the height that they come in uh, when they're finishing, but we had the teal land within range and the mallards were landing right at max range. So it was a fun hunt. Uh, we got a few birds, um, did fine. Uh, probably would have did better if we were on mud seats. Probably need to put a blind on the other side of the uh, of that pond uh, so that uh, we can we can hunt both both winds. But uh, overall, it was uh, it was interesting. Now again, the teal worked perfect. The mallards did not like what we had going on. So it was uh, and, and I mean by perfect, I mean they were landing right where we wanted them. And uh, the mallards, I think we only had like one that 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 did it just the way we wanted. And uh, it was, but it was fun. Uh, you had to be quick on the draw uh, with the mallards because when they came in, uh, they they wanted to be there, so they they did not circle. They just came, and all of a sudden they would just appear out of the heavens, fluttering down. So you had to uh, you had to really be quick on the draw. A couple of times with teal, I told the kids, I'm like, get ready. They're circling back around. They're going to come right over uh, our our right shoulder, and they must not believe me, but we'll just say I shot more birds than them. Yes. I'm bragging that I shot more birds than my kids. I'm old, so I feel like that is something I can do, and that it makes it okay. But it was a fun hunt, <coughs> and uh, really, really was a great, great, uh, great trip out. Rich says, I have a 17-month-old black lad female. She'll listen when the training collar's on. If I don't use it, she won't listen, and why? Rich, when you go through working with a collar, when you first start a dog on an e-collar, an electric collar, for everybody else, uh, you want to do something called collar conditioning. Collar conditioning is a two-week process where you are working with the collar sporadically to teach the dog how to turn the collar off, but you're also working with it so that they think that their bad behavior is why they're getting shocked and not the collar. What you have is a dog that is collar-wise. A collar-wise dog is a dog that, in essence, the collar is put on them and they are immediately shocked uh, or, or corrected uh, once the collar is on them. The dog then associates the collar with the correction and understands it. They're smart, and then they don't listen when the collar is not on. Um, you could go back, look up e-collar conditioning, and you could uh, rework with your dog. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is have the collar on much more uh, times uh, during the day. Uh, big caveat here is make sure that if you're putting a collar on a dog for long periods of time, you just monitor uh, them with the collar on, you want it to be on very tight, uh, not tight where it's choking them, but so that you have good connection, but so it's not rubbing back and forth. Two things. A well-fitted collar has two probes. You need them both to touch. If it is loose, one, you'll get rubbing back and forth on the dog's neck, which is not good. Uh, it can uh, create a uh, surface infection called, I believe it's a pseudomonas infection. The other thing is if the dog's looking over here, 
your prongs aren't both touching. Now you turn the collar up because the dog's not listening. Dog turns his head back, prongs are touching, and you are giving an overcorrection, which is not humane to the dog. Collars are one of the most humane things we can use in training. I know they get a bad rap. They're called shock collars. It's more of an should more be called an electric tingle collar, but that just sounds weird. So they don't call them electric tingle collars. But if you put the collar on yourself at the level that works for your dog and push the button, of course, you are going to pull away because it's electricity. And then you are going to look and go, that wasn't that bad. And you're going to lose respect for your dog because it is not the level that so many people think that it is. So again, you want to make sure that you are putting your collar on, that you are using it at more time than just when you are correcting the dog and you're being consistent with them. Have it on them often. Have it on them where you are reinforcing uh, your household issues, whether it's coming in from the yard. And make sure that they understand that they have to listen all the time. If you have a collar-wise dog, again, you're going to be looking at probably two months that you're going to leave this collar on the dog because we're trying to imprint on them that they have to listen. And then we are also using it so that you are um, creating good habits and then give a lot of reward. So collars, negative reinforcement, we have to have that. Whether it's a pinch collar, an e-collar, um, you have to have positive re uh, negative reinforcement. But you want to master it so that you are basically at 10 to 20% negative, 80% positive. So that means when the dog is out in the yard and you say here and they come, you over the top, good dog, love them up, pet them, tell them how wonderful they are. Do that even when you're doing your regular obedience around the yard, the dog will start to gravitate toward wanting that praise. And then they will get to the point where they are going to do things because of praise and not necessarily the negative. But that would be how I would work on getting your dog to the point where you have them so that they are listening that much better. Hello, Miss Kelly. How are you doing today? It's good to see you here on Facebook Live. Do you have any questions? Let me know. Again, we put these uh, Facebook Lives on at least once a week. Uh, we try to uh, have these so that we can answer any questions that you will have. And uh, if you are watching this after it's live, put your question in, please. Uh, put it in as a comment. Uh, I will come back. I always check these to make sure that we are checking uh, on them to, to uh, uh, have our our answers for you. I answer them to the best of my ability and go from there. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Mr. Peterson, how's your dog doing? How are the hunts going? Let me know. He's such a fun dog to work with. I, uh, I trained Chad Peterson's dog uh, this past summer, so it's always fun watching uh, and, and, and seeing their development. What I will tell everyone, when you first get done training your dog, whether it's having a pro train your dog, or if you are um, training your dog yourself, your first season is a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have where your dog is trained uh, consistently, 
uh, throughout training season. And then you're going into hunting and you're going to have days when your dog looks like a rock star. And you're going to be like, God, I am a great trainer. or Boy, that trainer was good. And then you're going to have days when you go, my goodness, my dog doesn't know what they're doing. First year is always ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. You got to get used to it. You got to get ready for it. And uh, it's uh, it's something that uh, once they get to two or three years of hunting experience, again, it's got nothing to do with age. It's more experience. Uh, they, they really come into their own and they really, really do well and uh, then you can brag about them. I will tell everyone I never brag about a dog until they're gone because the fact that uh, they <laughs> have a tendency to want to make you look bad. I'm trying to fight off a sneeze right now so if I look like I'm trying to do uh, bewitched with my nose, yeah I know I'm dating myself with that, uh, it is because I have a sneeze that is working through my nose. Uh, our weather, we are today, uh, gosh we're supposed to be like 50 degrees and uh We've got a lot of rain coming tomorrow, which really sucks because my properties are all wetlands and we were finally getting to the point where we had deer, we could pattern ducks, and now we're going to have a ton of water. So it's going to be all out the window. Uh, but we have a big cold front coming through where the, the temperature is going to drop harshly. So I am assuming that we will get a big push of ducks uh, down and uh, it's going to be interesting. So far this year in Wisconsin, in my area, South Central Wisconsin, we have been shooting pretty much uh, mallards. Uh, and uh, what ducks and teal have yet to get any uh, interesting ducks down like gadwall or pintails, but it should be uh, should be fun. I'm really looking forward to the migration and the push. Going to do a lot of deer hunting, but my properties are all wetlands, so I can basically scalp my ducks while I sit in my deer stand. Mike, working on hold. Uh, let's see, great at stationary and even healing with retrieve. She sometimes drops at my feet and put it right back in her mouth. Any tips? Mike, if you can, uh, obviously you're going to do an ear pinch when the dog drops at your at your feet. So you're going to tell them uh, uh, fetch and uh, do an ear pinch. Um, I would do start doing walking on lead at with a hold and correcting any time the dog drops. I actually changed my training uh, to after the first week of uh, doing an ear pinch on a stationary table. I go back or I transition into an e-collar. The nice part about the e-collar, I'm old. I don't have to bend over when the dog drops something. I tell them fetch and I nick them with the collar and they pick it up. So that would be what I would start working on. If you haven't done where you're walking at heel uh, with, with, with a hold command. And then when the dog is bringing anything back in, it is constantly talking to your dog. Good dog, hold. Good, hold. Hold, hold. Good dog, hold. Give them positive. Give them praise. And then have them come in. Don't grab for the bumper right away. Start to love on them while you're telling them hold. And if you can, bring them into heel and have them sit. And then what I do is I come from, here's the dog's head. I come from behind the dog's head and take the bumper so they don't see my hand coming. So that would be my tip for you. Uh, she made me look bad the other day. Yeah, Ryan, they always make you they always make you look uh, terrible. I had well, one guy, he... Uh, he had just had his young dog trained and by me and uh, he said, gosh, she looked terrible this morning and wonderful in the afternoon. It all comes down to consistency. When dogs do screw up, it is just getting to the point where we're giving them praise and not getting too upset with them. All right. We got Luke saying, always use the services of a pro when training. Uh, Luke, you know what? I'm a huge proponent of having a dog trained properly. If you don't have the time or the knowledge use someone that has it. Um, there are a lot of pros out there, so find a good one. Um, if you have time 
and it's it's a lot of it is just put when to apply pressure, knowing how, and having confidence. So maybe with your first dog, get it trained by somebody. You can watch them do it. You can then uh, decide if you're going to have time or knowledge to do it yourself. Uh, it's much like uh, when I wanted to get into investing. I got uh, two books, Investing for Dummies, and I had some other book. I don't remember what it was. But I read these books about investing, so I understood investing. I needed to understand it so that I wasn't giving my money to people and uh, it was uh, not being well spent. So I read these books on investing. I understood it, and I also realized I would never do the uh, do the investment research myself. So that is when I ended up um, uh, using mutual funds and, and, and companies that sell mutual funds as my investments. So dogs are the same thing. Understand it. Buy a book so you understand it. It'll make you a better handler. And if you don't have time, don't have the constitution or the ability, one of those three, put it with someone, but at least you'll understand Doing great. No problems on the flush. Still working on the retrieves. Uh, Chad, if you are working on the retrieves, again, you need to work with them outside of the hunt. So take the time uh, outside of that. If you have uh, birds, um, if it's uh, uh, keep a few of the birds, don't clean them all, put them in the fridge. Don't necessarily freeze them because that will give them a, an easier uh, hold. But if you have a refrigerator where you can stick them in there, or even this time of year it's getting cooler, leave them in the garage. Work with them outside of it. And again, huge praise for the dog. If he drops it, nick him with the collar and tell him fetch. How do you handle sticky nag? How do you handle stick handle sticky nag on the bird? I don't understand what a sticky nag is, Luana. So please let me know. I'm assuming that's a typo. Um no idea what that is. Uh, so yeah, if again, when you guys uh, put in a comment, everyone's got uh, got uh, autocorrect on their computers. Read your own comments. I do that with myself. I, I have people that will uh, send me a message and I, I answer something back on my phone. It's always my phone. And it will come back with like some bizarre statement. And then I'm like being apologetic, telling them, hey, that wasn't what I meant to, meant to, uh, uh, meant to send. Sticking. How do you handle sticking nag on the bird? I don't know what nag is, Luana. You're going to have to keep going with that and let me know uh, what we are also all uh, uh, reading here. But again, uh, consistency is the big key when we're doing our training. We want to be consistent. Uh, we want to make sure that we are working uh, with our dogs. And a lot of times it's just in-season taking the time so that you are correcting things that you're seeing in the field so that you can make sure they don't happen. We don't want things to become a habit. Uh, Ace, uh, my dog, he's passed the grand, he's qualified all age, master title, finish title. I had him break a few times uh, on a teal hunt that was in September. I took him out now on duck hunting. I took him to the first time, uh, the first place uh, that, that we had the breaking and worked with them on it. And it was still that magical time in the morning when there were birds working and he held and there were two birds out on the water for like five minutes. I finally looked over at him and he's looking at me and he just had to go and he did so good. So I rewarded him with that retrieve, but I did make him sit there for quite a while. I probably with an older dog, older and experienced of hunting would have had him sit there even longer, but 
I released him so that he could go and get the short bird that was there so that uh, it would it would let him know, yes, you do get rewarded when you do something correctly. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. How do you handle a dog that sticks on birds? Luana, if you're talking about... Uh, a dog that is being too hard on birds, uh, that is chewing on them, or that uh, I'm assuming you're probably, so we'll cover this two ways. If you've got a dog that has mouth problems and it's 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 tearing your birds up, and then you got to go back to your hold command. If you're talking about a dog that sticks on birds as far as uh, does not slow down and uh, will not stay in range, if you're talking upland, what I would do is do a one whistle sit with your dog. So that would start with the dog working at heel, sit, heel, sit, heel, sit, and then start using the one whistle beep. So you're sitting them. If uh, then start working with that when the dog is out uh, away from you, you're sitting them. And then if your dog is hammering after birds, you can hit the whistle and you can sit them. You're not calling them back in. You're not fighting yourself, but the dog is sitting. And then when you get up to the dog, you can release them with a hunted up so that you are still under control and you're keeping the dog in range as well as using a command that they understand. So that would be my suggestion on that. Hello, Mr. Hall. Are you getting that new dog soon? Uh, Let's see. So that is, let's see, we are at about 20 minutes now. So we're going to call last call for questions. And let's see, talking about a dog that doesn't want to give you the bird after the retrieve. Ah, so you're playing keep away. Luana, you need to go and do something called force fetch or trained retrieve. Uh, That is working with the dog, not only on hold, but on the drop command. Uh, What I would do if the dog was running away with a bird, you need to also have a dog collar trained. I would nick the dog with the collar and tell them here. And then I would I would uh, uh, work with them so that they understand they have to come. So you, you're fighting a several different things. You're fighting mouth control, and you're also fighting your obedience on a hear command and a sit command. So I would go back. I would go back to your obedience, not worry about retrieves, but worry about your obedience where the dog understands it has to have a good recall and it has to sit when you're telling it to sit. All right, Cody, if you want to teach good marking, what would your number one drill be? Concept of that drill is to make proper correction. And by marking, I mean retired gun, white coat, straight in the fall, time of memory, doubles, triples, or even so. Wow, Cody, you're talking field trials here. That is uh, that is something that uh, <laughs> most people, it's going to be over their head. Number one drill, concept of White coat straight to the fall. Time of memory doubles, triples, or even singles to doubles. Cody, with any of my dogs, when you're talking gun dog type of uh, of drills, I teach uh, my clients a lot of it is healing and having your ground manners done. Um, Cody's talking about multiple marks. He's talking about longer retrieves. He's talking about uh, retired guns. This is very competitive type of a question that's not necessarily in my expertise uh, as I don't really run hunt tests with my dogs. My dogs run hunt tests. I put them with people. Um, I do not run field trials. So I will give you, I guess, the long and short of how I teach my gun dog people uh, the importance of having dogs set up for multiple retrieves. And that is with healing. I work with healing without 
uh, working on retrieves. So I will do a lot of work where I'm just working with healing, teaching the dog their spine needs to be in line of, with where my foot is falling uh, is pointing. Um, it is working with them at different spots. I know there's the, the, the concept of saying here when you want a dog to uh, heal one way and heal in the other way. I use heal for all of it. Again, everyone has their own, ha has their own uh, method. I've had people that have uh, completely eviscerated me because of the fact that I use heal on everything. To my mind, heal means heal to a dog, whether it's moving one way or moving the other way. Um, I make sure that I am teaching clients where you're, whether you're working on a single a double or a triple that you are lining the dog up with heel uh, purposely so that their spine is in line with where your foot is pointing. Your foot is pointing at the marked bird. Trying to teach people that when we look at cover changes out in the field, whether it is at a pond or outside, if it's a land water land where the uh, bird is falling on the land so the dog has to go through the water first that there are cover changes that look different to the dog because they are at a different height I have clients get down on a knee so they're at the dog's level so that they can see things from the dog's eye and teach them that as a dog goes to something if they're going in a straight line that if they start to concentrically hunt they're going to be in that area as opposed to if a dog is bending they're going to be offline once they get to that spot. And then if they start their hunt, they potentially are out, outside of the hunt area. So that would be my my answer to you on that. But yeah, you're, you're getting pretty technical into the field trial stuff. So that's a pretty hard one to answer on a Dog Talk Live. But I hope that gives you some ideas. So again, we are going to call last call for questions. Last call. And uh, again, this will be up on the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, please go there, check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, we also will try to do this at least once or twice a week. We're getting into hunting season. I will try, uh, once we get into the whitetail rut, I will try to do a few of these at night uh, because I will be in a tree most of the day. Uh, we have a big duck hunting weekend coming up for myself uh, with my buddies and my kid. We are calling it Duck Camp 4.0. These will be the last dedicated uh, trips I made the last dedicated trip I make to only duck hunt uh, so hopefully we'll get a good four days in but uh, I do want to thank everyone for stopping in if you do have a question please let me know where you're at uh, as far as uh, where you're from let me know what questions you have and uh, please put them up here as a comment if you're watching this after the fact we'll try to answer it if you want to be part of our podcast email sportingdogtv at gmail.com with questions I'll try to answer them on the air there as well Hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.